Tuesday, December 5th, 2023. Season 2, episode 62 of What's in Cam. Not even sure which end is up right now. Feels a little bit like I'm on uh, autopilot. Like I'm, uh, like I'm, uh, like I'm trying to, I don't know, I'm just going through the steps this morning and I apologize if it actually sounds like that, but, um, just, uh, uh, weird couple of days and they're kind of behind us and that feels good, but I, I don't know. There's something about the pressure that makes me, I don't know, perform better or I don't know. Like I feel sometimes when when things are really hectic and busy. I think I do a good job of rationalizing all of that, being pragmatic during those moments and whatever. Then when it's all over with, it's like, oh. And I, I don't know. Like I, I thrive on that chaos and that craziness and then kind of don't know what to do when it's not there. So we'll give you a couple of little updates. Uh, Lisa had a surgery yesterday on her wrist and that went well. Um, if you're, uh, I, I feel like if you're one of the doctors, if you're Lisa, that went well. Um, she's experiencing a little bit of pain, but not too bad. Uh, and she's doing well. It's got a week or two for recovery here. And, uh, it, I mean, honestly, it wasn't, it was fine for me as well. Uh, I probably suffered the worst cause I'm the bystander that doesn't really have anything to do. <laughs> Lisa gets to take volume and, <laughs> and then get taken care of by these wonderful people at, uh, this orthopedic place that she went to. And, um, and I'm it's like, we got there at eight 13, quite frankly. Uh, and, uh, didn't leave there till noon and it was a 20 minute procedure. So it's like, I am literally a lot of the time just sitting there going, huh. um, it, it was originally, I was just going to wait out in the waiting room. Uh, Lisa asked if I could come back and so I went into the, which was good because we were in there for an hour and a half before, like just us, like they give her um, a numbing agent at the site. This is all local. It wasn't, she wasn't under. Um, they give her a numbing agent, which has to, you know, get going. Uh, and then they give her a value, which takes about an hour to really kick in. And um, so there we sit. And so really at the end of the day, it was sort of like, my God, this is like how long? And then we were there after, after an hour, you're like, okay, now. And then we just, we just kept waiting. Uh, a funny moment out of that. So Lisa's on Valium and she's pretty goofy when she's on Valium. And she's like, oh, this is a really good one. So she's had Valium a couple of times. Funniest story was, uh, I had to take her for a procedure a number of years ago and, uh, like a dumbass. I didn't know where I was going. She knew where we were going. And in this instance, they told her to take the volume like before she leaves the house and then like have somebody drive you. And then by the time you get here, it'll be kicking in. She's the only one who knows how to get to where we're going. And she's on volume and just of no help whatsoever. And I get an important business call on our way there. So I'm talking to this guy and I've got this completely wasted a uh, woman in the driver in the passenger seat next to me, and she's uh, you know she and she's trying to tell me where to go, and I'm talking to this guy, and and she's she can't 
articulate where to, where to go. Uh, it was it was a nightmare. Uh, but funny now. Uh, and then yesterday we're laying there, and she's just really in a gown in in this bed, and they've got her under warm. Like this is the greatest day for Lisa ever. She they they bring out a heated blanket. They, they keep it in like a like a blanket oven. <laughs> they bring it out, uh, and then it's all warm. Just, oh my gosh! So then. After some time goes by, she's like, hey, you think I could get another one of those warm blankets? So they're like, sure. And they take care of her again. They get her all nice and warmed up. And um, they were the, the staff there was great. Uh, they really were. But Lisa and I are sitting there, and there, we really have nothing to do. And uh, Lisa goes, I kind of have to go to the bathroom. And granted, I mean, we've been in there for a long time. So we know where they show us where the bathroom is. But she's in this gown that is two sizes, like three sizes too big for me. And Lisa's like not even half my size. And so it's like no matter how you do it, like it's open, like in the back. It's like no matter how you tie it, no matter what, it's just like you. there's just a lot of gaps. And um, so she goes, I, I really need to go to the bathroom. She goes, I'm not even sure I can walk there right now. <laughs> And then this conversation happened. <laughs> she said, I feel like I should jump out of the... So you're in these... I should explain this. We're, um, the rooms aren't rooms. They're just curtained off sections. And so when you're in there, the, the curtains close in front on both sides of you. And then there's a wall behind you. So nobody can see in, but it's not private really. You can hear stuff going on or whatever. And to get out, you have to kind of like park the curtains and then you're in the hallway. And so Lisa goes, I kind of want to just go springing out into the <laughs> into the hallway and just kind of do like a superhero landing and then look around and then run to the bathroom. <laughs> it was just, it's kind of a funny moment. I, I would have paid to see that. I really would have. Uh, her friend told me I should have been recording the conversations and I'm like, of course, I only know to record them after they happen. I should have. I should have been like at the ready for that, but I didn't. Uh, so yeah, that was, it was, it was kind of funny, but yeah, I, I'm just, Oh my God. I'm like just comatose with boredom for a while there. I will say that once they took her back, that went really pretty quick. Um, and when I say comatose with boredom, I mean, it's, I wasn't bored with anybody there. It's just like my day is, you know, sitting in a little room for, you know, an hour and a half. Uh, she's, I mean, she's getting ready for her surgery and stuff like that. So, uh, it's, you know, she's got stuff going on, I guess. Um, at any rate, uh, so that went well and she's, she's, so she's got a big thing. It's not a cast, but it's like a big bandage wrap thing. And she's got to keep that dry on for like a week. I take that off next Monday. And then, um, she's got to be careful with how she uses her hand. So this is on her wrist. Um, and she, how she uses her hand so she can use like she could curl stuff she just can't hold on to the thing she's curling so she could like wrap something around her wrist and curl it but she couldn't hold it with her hand uh, and curl it that would be that would be damaging or extru- extremely painful so uh, she's doing pretty well and not very limited she just can't get her stuff wet so we, we're, we're handling those things pretty well uh, then there's the lucky update. So we had a dog that I had a stroke overnight on Saturday night. Couldn't walk at all on Sunday. Just would just immediately just tip over and fall down. 
and it was tragic and you're like, oh my God, you know, oh, it's a 14-year-old dog. And, oh, we were just horrified. And then, you know, we had to do everything for him on Sunday. Sunday night, we kind of felt like maybe he was doing a little bit better, but maybe we were a little bit more used to how he was getting around. And then um, yesterday, he's walking around pretty good. We're still trying to help him in the morning. Um, but then Lisa was outside with him trying to help him go to the bathroom. And uh, she decided, you know what? I'm just going to take this off and see if he can just go on his own. And he did. And then he went, you know, like drunken sailor a little bit, but he walked up to the house by himself in a fairly quick pace. Um, and then we decided we would just kind of leave him be on the floor and let him walk around um, as we got ready in the morning. And he did great. Um, just you know, one of the funny things, you know how dogs shake off and they, and they flap their ears and they wiggle all the way down to their butt. So when he does that, it's kind of funny because he falls over and it's just like he's kind of standing there a little wobbly and then he does one of those and then he falls over. It's kind of funny. Um, but I'm telling you right now, by last night, and that guy was getting around, I guarantee you 50% of the time you wouldn't even know anything was wrong with him. And then 50% of the time he's a little wobbly. Um, the whole time he seemed sharp, he seemed not different personality-wise or from a psychological perspective or mental perspective, he seemed fine. Um, so, yeah. the uh, I will say this, that when we were at the emergency room on Sunday, I mean, there are, I mean, I hate to say this because you just want the best care for your dog. And these guys, I, honestly, in hindsight, um, worst case scenarios, brain tumors. And, and I, I'm not saying it couldn't have been that. And I'm not even saying it isn't that. But they wanted us to keep him overnight. Um, they might have kind of pushed for us to keep him overnight and um, get an MRI the next day. Uh, rather than seeing kind of what this might be and uh, maybe taking a slower approach and maybe consulting with maybe a neurologist the next day or something like that. Um, no, they were like, keep them overnight. That's two grand. Uh, get an MRI. That's, you know, five grand. And we're like, yeah, mm, let's just see how we, thank God we did that. Uh, we'd be seven grand into what seems like likely a stroke. And this is a funny thing because they said if it's a stroke, he'll just get better. It's like, what? Yeah, he'll just, like most dogs that have strokes, they just get better. Oh, <clears throat> didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Um, all right, so grateful. Uh, to, oh, yeah, I should be playing this. It's Tuesday. Time to be grateful. Tuesday's the best day to be grateful because nobody's grateful for Tuesday. Except for other than the fact that it's not Monday. Uh, I'm grateful for Lisa's smooth surgery. Obviously, it sounds like <clears throat> she's got a little bit of work ahead of her and she's handling it great. So it's not been, I, w I was like, oh boy, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Um, she's handling it way better than I anticipated. So it was good. Um, I'm obviously grateful for Lucky, who's just doing fantastic. And oh my God, it's just a huge weight lifted off of us. Um, so, yeah, that's obviously I'm grateful for those. A little repetitive here because you kind of heard these stories already. But uh, I'm also grateful for my flexibility and being able, being able to just deal with this. And yesterday there wasn't, you know, very much time to work. And I was able to get done with what I needed to and still take care of everything that needed to be taken care of here. Um, I don't know. Grateful for modern medicine that we can do this. She can get pain relief and 
all that in a fairly quick amount of time, get her in and out of the the hospital. It was honestly, it's a pretty good experience to be honest, you know, to just hopefully have this thing behind her and I'm grateful for all of that. So don't you forget to be grateful for uh, today uh, and tell people that you're grateful for them. If in fact you are. Man, I can ramble. Time for some headlines here. There's not many. Uh, there's not a lot going on in the world today. Uh, entertainment news. Uh, Spotify is laying off 17% of its workers. That's 1,000 people to you and me. Um, it took on too many employees and labor costs and rising cost of capital are cited as the reasons. Uh, not uncommon. You know, the economy struggling along in a way and, you know, labor was available so they take it on. Uh, I don't think anybody was, you know, at least the labor, the, the workforce wasn't like taking this on thinking it was going to be temporary. But uh, when you get fat and happy as a company, it's going to, you know, you're going to have to pull back at some point and go on a diet. Um, and so they're having to do that now. So uh, Spotify, you know, bet heavily on certain types of content like podcasts and you know, those things are great and they make money, but um, probably not as prominently as they'd hoped. Uh, I'm forgetting to do this. Kelsey Grammer's recent BBC interview was cut short uh, as he started talking about Donald Trump. It wasn't the, outlet, it wasn't the radio station's or the BBC's decision. It wasn't Kelsey Grammer's decision. Uh, it sounds like Kelsey Grammer was ready to talk about Trump and loves to talk about Trump. Um... But it sounds like the uh, executives at Paramount shut her down. Don't want him talking about Trump. Um, I will say this. I had a conversation with some people, I don't know, last week I think it was. And we were talking about the the issues with companies and their leaders going public, talking about their politics. Um, if you truly are a leader, in my opinion, you're your first goal as a public figure or your first priority needs to be the entity which you're leading. So you have to protect the company. So to me, that means just keep politics out of your business world. Um, I don't have a problem with anybody going and doing their civic duty and trying to make change and what have you. Um, However, it's just a losing battle if you're going to go out there and start saying, I'm pro this, I'm anti that, I'm with these guys, I'm not with those guys. It just... It can't, it can't help the company. Um, there are instances where those types of comments have really harmed companies. Elon Musk is going through some stuff like that. Um, Chick Fil A, you know, there's a number of of things go, that have gone on in the past that have impacted companies uh, negatively, some positively. Um, but at the end of the day, just if your main priority, and I know probably it isn't. But if you're a leader, you owe it to your employees and that business um, to serve the people that need to be served and not uh, be political about it, unless you're some sort of a political entity. And then I guess you got to do what you got to do. Um, so uh, that, honest to God, that's it for for headlines. I, I looked and looked and looked, and there's a few things that were somewhat interesting to me, but uh, most most just weren't. So I guess we'll do this then. Wasn't able to get to Soup Dog with Carol Sumber yesterday, so we're going to do uh, some today, a little bit tomorrow. 
Uh, got all kinds of cool things coming up uh, with with Carol, uh, and then uh, we'll have some new stuff even coming up next week, all about the holidays and your pets. Uh, so this is Carol and I talking about. You know, you're gonna be you're gonna be at parties, and you're gonna have parties potentially, and you're gonna you're one way or the other you're gonna have people over, and it's just different for the dogs. So Carol and I had this conversation about uh, dogs in parties when we first had Spencer. Um, we, uh, uh, we, he had a growling thing. Like if you, he only growls really if he's like laying down and then you walk up to him, he's like, just leave me alone. Right. And we never really knew like how he was really going to react in the early goings. And so, you know, this, this woman comes over for this holiday thing and she'd been drinking and I, and she's getting real close to him. And I said, you know, I gotta be honest with you. We don't know you know, the realities of where this dog has been or what he's up to, I would be very careful doing that because we're not really sure, you know, we hear the growls and it, we just think we should probably just leave him alone. And she just to spite me went down and just put her face right by him. And I felt horrible for him. I don't think you can train all your friends, relatives and people at a party. And I think that that unfortunately alcohol dogs and people, you know, like you, just said you have you advocated for your dog and i think we need to but i would not you know first step in any behavior modification program we always say is management so in that case my dog if he likes to be in the mix would probably be behind a baby gate um where people you know where he could go by himself and people cannot reach for him so if a dog is very social even in that case i'd probably have him behind a baby gate um, even the most social dog is going to tire of, you know, everybody in his face, lots of noise. So just because your dog wants to be in the mix, you know, I always tell people, you know, sometimes we have to advocate for our dog and we have to make decisions for our dog. Our dog has the mentality of a toddler. So although they want to be with us and they're curious, they don't want everything that comes with that at a party, which is, you know, people drinking, people reaching for them, people stepping on their tail. I can't tell you how many times that I work with clients who have a bite when somebody actually steps on their tail or the, you know, they get up to go use the bathroom and they drop something on the dog and things like that. And the dog startles and maybe snap, you know, snaps at them or even bites. And, you know, the bottom line is if your dog does bite somebody, you're going to be held accountable. And, um, you know, that can be very expensive. (laughs) Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is I just, I find very few dogs. I had a dog years ago that loved to go to parties. I mean, I used to take him downtown. His name was stretch. He was the biggest party dog in the world. And I don't think I've had a dog since then that has enjoyed parties. I mean, I would take him downtown Milwaukee. Um, even my therapy dog has had enough. So you can't you can't manage all the people. You can't keep your eyes on people and dogs. And if you've got children there, so in my opinion, the dog should be in a crate if they're so if they're if they're not social or in another room. If they are social, maybe behind a baby gate nearby. Um, but but well managed. I don't think that parties, alcohol, and dogs mix well. Yeah. They probably don't. I mean, the alcohol really messes things up, doesn't it? But it also makes things so wonderful. All right. So in our Christmas countdown here, I know there's no actual countdown. I don't care. I'm doing something Christmassy every single day. You can't do anything about it except for not listen. So uh, I'm really interested in in Christmas music to the extent that we have our, our norms, our you know, like kind of the classics, the ones that everybody knows. Um, plus, we probably all have our own favorites. I find it interesting where my, like, these are my favorites, right? 
I always find it interesting where they land in other people's lists or if they land at all in other people's lists. So I'm going to talk about my list and we'll play a couple of clips from some some fun songs on on Friday. Uh, But for right now, I just kind of want to go over uh, Billboard's uh, employees put together a top 10 list. Well, they put together a top 100 list of Christmas songs. This is their top 10. Now, this is Billboard's top 10. It's not mine. not playing clips of these. I just kind of want to give you a, a, here's an example of like pretty traditional stuff. Um, I, your list is going to be different. My list is going to be different. But we'll get into some of the more fun things uh, later in the week. But uh, for Billboard, you know what? I'm just going to keep playing this here. I think this is going to play nice and quiet in the background. This is Billboard's top 10, written by their uh, employees. Number 10, Donny Hathaway's This Christmas from 1970. Uh, number nine was Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus Coming to Town, one of my all-time favorites. Um, I don't know if it'll make my list of different things that I like, um, but I love that song. I love what they did with that. If you ever saw the video, the video's great. Um, number eight, Run DMC, Christmas and Hollis. Uh, it's a 1987 tune. Um, the, you know, again, this is... Uh, the billboard staff now, this isn't actually billboards listing so uh billboard staff number seven comes in with uh jose feliciano feliz navidad from 1970 uh great tune and um kind of introduced us to some uh, uh different music that we wouldn't normally hear in america we wouldn't normally hear it's a great song uh love i, I sang it a bunch of times in choirs and things like that when i was a kid uh, number six, Brenda Lee, rocking around the Christmas tree. She was 13 years old when she uh, recorded that song in 1958. Rocking around the Christmas tree is just, again, great song. I, it was kind of fun because it was like a diversion from all the typical um, Christmas songs at the time. Probably one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time is coming in at number five. Bing Crosby's White Christmas. I don't know how that doesn't come in higher. On people's lists, um, it wouldn't make my list of different tunes, but I will say this: uh, masterful singing on that song. Bing Crosby, masterful singer, great tune. Kind of the the Christmas song, right? Dreaming. Uh, it's a great song. Number four, they said, is Wham's Last Christmas. 1984. I'm glad to see something like Wham make a list because it's you know I think for some people it's too new, but it's great tune, great tune. Um, I I really like that. Uh, it's it's a fun song. Really can't wait to tell you my kind of Christmas list. I can't. Uh, number three, Nat King Cole. Another oh, it's a brilliant song. The Christmas song. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. And recorded in 1961. Just ah. Uh, Jack Frost. He's fantastic. I mean, I, I wish I could sing like those guys. I, I would do nothing but sing. I wouldn't even be doing this. I'd just be singing this whole podcast to you. Uh, number two for them was Darlene Loves Christmas. The only one to make it up here twice. Oh, no, that was Brenda Lee. Darlene Love. Christmas, Baby Please Come Home from 1963. Um, another great tune, and I'm glad that they got some classics on here. I thought the Billboard... I don't know, staff might be a little eclectic, a little more eclectic than this, but they're not. Uh, and then number one is probably the the one that most people would have in their list 
if not a number one, somewhere near the top. And that is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas as you recorded in 1994. She has become Miss Christmas since. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, that is their list. I will, for Friday, compile for you my list of like, I, w- I don't want to call them alternative Christmas songs. I don't. I, I don't think they are. They're just, they're my songs. They're songs that make me think of the holidays, make me think of Christmas, make me, you know, they're, they're mine because it's my program and I get to say what I want. You can go get your own podcast and put your own list together if you like, but that, my friends, is what's eating kale today. Uh, make it a good one today. Be grateful. Until the next time, make it a good one.